Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. If you've got your Bible there, I'd encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue from where we left off last week. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, At that time, so this is just after Zechariah, I was going to say Zechariah had given birth. No, that didn't happen. Um, Elizabeth has just given birth to, to John, the son of Zechariah. And it says in verse 1, at, this, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. I just want to pause there for a moment. Um... Actually, I might have got that in the wrong spot for you there, Charlie. But I just want to pause and, and think about challenge number one that we're going to see this morning. Who likes road trips? Yep. Who finds road trips sometimes challenging? I'm going to keep my hand up. <laughs> road trips are fun. Going, to a, going on holidays, it's fun. I think that if you did a quick Google search of how to survive the holidays, you'd find a lot of, of, of hits. Um, Travelling is fun, but travelling can be a challenge. And challenge number one, as we're reading this morning, was travelling for the census. Great, they might go and catch up with some family, might, might see some friends, but there's challenge number one. Let's keep reading. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him, his, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who is now obviously pregnant. Let's just pause again for a moment. Problem number two, Mary is engaged and pregnant. Now for us in our culture, in our our day-to-day, many people would have no issue with that. That would be seen as not that uncommon probably in our culture today. But the Bible says, and for the Jewish people in this time, that marriage comes before sex and therefore baby comes after sex, therefore marriage comes before baby. Pretty basic. And I'm just seeing if I'm jumping my head over myself here. I am. Um, this was a challenge. This was a problem for Mary and Joseph. And no doubt they were challenged by people to say, hey, you're engaged. Why is she pregnant? And well, they mightn't even say why. They might be saying this shouldn't have happened. They may have been persecuted for it. We don't know exactly what the circumstances were as they went through that, but it was a a challenge. It was a problem for them right there. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay, let's pause again. Problem number three, Jesus, the Son of God, is born and they put him in a food trough. I was like, that shouldn't have happened. 
Like if, if Jesus came today, how would we want to honour this baby Jesus? In, in our thinking, in our, in our minds, that should never have happened. And for Mary and Joseph, just think about them as normal people for a moment because we kind of mystify the whole story of, of Scripture sometimes. We think this is sort of just some fairy tale. But Mary and Joseph, they're real people. They've travelled all the way back to Bethlehem for the census. They've gone through the ridicule on the journey of saying, hey, I didn't think you guys were married yet. It's like, yeah, no, we're not. It's like, whoa, what's going on? And they get there and they're tired and they're hungry and, and they arrive and there's no lodging available for them. And we don't know exactly, was it a shed, was it a cave, whatever it was. But then Jesus is placed in the manger, the food trough. And there could have been cows, there could have been donkeys, there could have been whatever else around. That's not how I would want to place my baby, my brand new firstborn child, down into a food trough. Like, I was pretty particular. We wouldn't put it somewhere safe. Let's keep reading. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I just want to point out, Mary and Joseph didn't put him in the wrong spot. The angel knew that's where he was. It was part of God's plan. Verse 13, that might stand out to you later more. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's just pause for a moment. What an awesome, awesome moment for the shepherds. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby. There was the baby lying in the manger. He's still there. Let's just pause for a moment. Problem number four. When you've just had your first baby, and you're you're there, the mom, the dad, this little tiny baby, having this amazing intimate moment, you don't want some weird strangers turning up on the door saying, Hey, we want to come and see your baby. It's like these shepherds turn up and they're kind of, the shepherds were not that well respected in town. They were probably pretty much looked down on. They turn up, they probably, they've been out in the paddocks. They're probably a little smelly. Who knows who they are? Who knows what reputation they have? And they turn up at Mary and Joseph's, not their door. They turn up at the shed and they want to cuddle this baby and worship this baby. And, and, and sure, it's awesome, it's amazing, it's wonderful. They've come to praise the Saviour. But imagine being Mary and Joseph in that moment. These random guys turn up and you're thinking, what are they here to do? It's like, I don't know, I would have felt pretty weird when they turned up. Would you? I don't know. Verse 17, he says, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. 
The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I just want to skip across to Matthew chapter 2 for a moment and just look at a few other things that happened just after this. Matthew chapter 2, so that the wise men have just come and then we get to verse 13 of Matthew chapter 2. It says, after the wise men were gone, okay, some more strangers turn up, yep, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph le- that, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Okay, challenge number five. Okay, looking back, you guys are moving to Queensland. Um, aren't you glad God didn't speak and say, okay, you've got to go tonight? Anyway, can you imagine if God said to you, I want you to move tonight? Not just down the road, not just around the corner, not just interstate, but to a whole nother country. There's a challenge right there. It's a whole new culture, a whole new place. No family, no friends, a whole new place. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. It says, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Challenge number six. Can you imagine the grief and the heartache in that place? Every child, two years old or under, every boy being put to death. And Mary and Joseph, they've taken off to Egypt. They've escaped what Herod was going to do. But can you imagine the grief in their hearts in that moment, knowing all those, all those, all the mums in the mums group that you were like going through pregnancy together with? Maybe they didn't have mothers group like we do, I don't know. But can you imagine knowing that all those other children, all those other boys, had died because the king was after your baby? That's a horrific grief when you allow yourself to actually think about how they would have been feeling. And to know that the king is pursuing your baby. And I don't know if they'd seen any James Bond movies or anything, but like he's 007 out to get us. Like is, is he going to send someone to, to Egypt to find us, to track us down? Like that would have been a horrific moment to know that the king was furiously pursuing this child. And whether they knew exactly what was going on well, God had told them, so he did. Yeah. Sorry. Momentary. Forgot. <laughs> this morning, the title of my message is A Beautiful Mess. What if you ever feel like you've got problems? And I don't mean you can't choose between rice bubbles and wheat bix for breakfast, but you've got problems. Do you have, I'm not going to ask if you do feel like that. Because we all feel like we've got problems sometimes. I don't just mean got a problem, but we've got problems, plural. We have stuff going on that is difficult. But sometimes, 
life feels a mess and we don't even know where to start. We don't know where to go next. We don't know what to do next. But this morning, I believe God wants to speak to us and help us realise that God's not afraid of the mess. God is not afraid of the mess. And I don't want to make light of the challenges, the situations that anyone might be going through or trivialise anything that you're going through. But God is not freaked out by your situation. He's not freaked out by the mess that you might find yourself in at the moment or in the future or in the past. You see, God's Word, the Bible, tells us that since the beginning, God has been aware He's been working and he's been trying to bring, uh, he's, he's been trying to clean up our mess in life and in the world. In Genesis 1, we see that God created the world and it was perfect. It was very, very good. It was sinless. There was order. It was as God intended it to be perfect fellowship, perfect relationship. But then Adam and Eve take the fruit, they disobey God, they choose to try and live as their own king, they sin and shame and, 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 and uh, sin enter the world and they hide. And it says God comes in the cool of the evening and he sacrifices the animals to cover their nakedness, to make coverings for them. And we see the beginning of God's pattern through Scripture of him coming to sacrifice, to cover sin. But in chapter 4, we read Cain kills Abel. And then by chapter 6, the world is so full of corruption and evil that God decides to send the flood. And other than Noah and his family, the world is wiped out and God begins again from that point. And ever since, God has been working to restore and heal our lost, broken, and hurting world. And it feels like a mess sometimes. But God is not afraid of the mess. I want to ask you today, not have you got a mess, but what is your mess? I think, let's be honest, I've, I've got messes in my life right now. Situations, challenges, things going on that... It just feels like a mess sometimes. I want you to have a think. What's the mess in my life? Maybe someone's out to get you. Maybe you feel like there's someone who's just making life so hard for you right now. Maybe there's, you're on a journey and you're going through something emotionally or physically. There's a spiritual battle going on. You just feel like you are going through such a journey right now. Maybe it just feels like life is too much, that, you know, COVID's happened and life's just been turned upside down and you don't know which way to go next. And it just feels like a mess. And as we look at our lives, as we look at ourselves, we can so easily get overwhelmed. We can feel like it's hopeless. We can feel like we just want to give up. But I believe as we look back, as we look back at what Christ did but we can see that God is at work even in the mess. Think back to Mary for a moment. Last week we read about how she responded when the angel came and spoke to her. She knew the plan that God was speaking to her. She knew that she was not yet married and she's about to become pregnant. 
or maybe she even she was pregnant. And A plus B equals questions. Not married, baby, was going to probably equal some challenges. But Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May it all come to pass as you have said. She didn't say, hang on, hang on, God. Can we just like wait a few months? Can we wait a couple of years? It's like, I just need to get these things worked out first. She just says, may it come to pass as you have said. God is at work in the mess. And sometimes God is calling us to step into the mess. Sometimes God actually calls us to do things, to to go places, to step into someone's life. Maybe their life is a mess and God calls us us to step into a situation, a challenge, a difficulty, to be a part of that time, that difficulty, to support and help other people through that mess. Or maybe like Mary, God calls you to do something, to be a part of something that is difficult. And it's hard at times. Why? Because Jesus stepped into the mess for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. He came into the world he created. He left the comfort of heaven, was born in a barn, or a shed, or a cave, or whatever it was, placed in an animal trough. Why? So that he could live and die for our sin. As we look back and see the events of Christ's birth, you know, it so encourages me. It encourages me to realise that just because sometimes my life feels a little messy, a little chaotic, a little not like I think it should look even maybe, it doesn't mean that I've got it wrong. Sure, we can can mess up, we can do things and it can cause pain, it can cause trouble, but just because there's a mess in your life, don't think that you're necessarily in the wrong place. Don't think that you're necessarily not following God because it's got a little difficult. Jesus promised us in this life, you'll have challenges, you'll have trials. We can be tempted in our middle-class Western world that if we don't have a nice home, a nice car, a nice family and nice friends, if everything's not just going beautifully and we're not feeling totally blessed that we must have missed it. I think we can be tempted to think that. We can be, have this image of following God and everything will be wonderful. But let's not be tempted to think we've missed it because life's a little messy. I think God loves to work in mess. Mess can be beautiful. Actually, I think Mops did a whole series, a whole year on a beautiful mess. Is that right? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Ten (laughs) years. Time flies when you're having fun, hey? (laughs) Ten years. Wow. Have a think about John the Baptist for a moment. He's a guy that God spoke and he was filled with the Spirit from his conception that God anointed him for this particular role to prepare the way for the coming Lord. But let's be honest, he was a little bit weird. His life was a little bit messy, living in the wilderness, eating his honey and his locusts, wearing funny hairy stuff. Um, 
And then he's a guy who followed God, who did what God called him to do, and yet his life was cut short because his head was cut off. It's not that he wasn't following God. It's not that he wasn't doing God's will for his life, but God had a greater plan in in mind. And I pray that and hope that there is no one here that has that same path that God has called us to that we have to endure. But you know, if it is, God is faithful. God is greater than the mess. He's greater than the challenge. He's greater than the persecution. Imagine for a moment that Mary or Joseph, somewhere in that journey, decided, you know what, I'm out. I can't do this. God, I cannot do this. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm never going back there, God. We're not just going to get Egypt. We're going to, we're going to South Africa. It's like, imagine if they just kept going and said, we're never going back. And like, to be honest, they, they didn't have a lot of choice. The baby was coming. There was nothing much they'd done about that. But imagine for a moment, they just said, I can't do this. The mess is too hard. And sometimes for us, things get difficult, things get messy, but let's not be too quick to say, I can't do this. God, this, this can't be you. You can't be in this, God. I'm out. Romans 8 tells us in all things, God is at work. God is at work. Maybe God is wanting to use you in this situation, in this mess. Maybe he's going to demonstrate his power to bring you out of this mess. Just as he did for the people of Israel, he delivered them through the Red Sea. It was in the mess that his power was demonstrated. I think of the blind man who was who's sitting there and the disciples said, oh, is it his sin that caused him his blindness? And Jesus says, no. It's so that God's glory, his power might be demonstrated. And maybe you're going through this challenge so that God's power and his glory might be seen in those, for those around you. Maybe there's others that are in that same space that you're in. And as you go through this journey, God is going to use you to minister to those people that are in that same space you're in. Or maybe it's in the future that as you journey through this, as God brings you out of it, that God will give you a voice to those people that otherwise may never have someone to walk that journey with them. I remember just chatting to someone through the week and talking about how when we, when we lost our first baby during the pregnancy and, and thinking, God, if you want to use this to help us be able to minister to others, then help us with this, God. And I had no idea how many times that would happen in, in people's lives around us and be able to journey through that with them in some way, shape or form, to be able to have some understanding of what they're going through. And through the pain, through the mess we go through, it's hard, but God is at work. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, My grace, God speaking, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. If you are feeling weak, if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling blessed right now and going okay, God help us to still acknowledge and recognize that we are so weak. But he is the one who makes us strong. 
He is the one who can hold us up. He is the one who can work through us and in us. My grace is all you need. I wonder how many other things we think we need. Says my power works best in weakness. You know what? Sometimes our mess is our completely our own making. We do things, we say things, we talk without thinking, we, we do things, and God never wanted us to do those things. And sometimes we create our mess. But even in that, God's grace is for us and He can still work in that situation. He can still work despite that situation. He can still work through that thing. But to be honest, the most exciting thing that I see as I look at this passage and think about what God has done is that God is able to bring us out of the mess. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's get excited. We don't have to live in the mess forever. He is the miracle working God. He is able. He loves you. There is hope for this life and for eternity. This life, it will come to an end. And if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to have eternal life with Him, with no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. That is awesome. It's actually going to happen one day. I think sometimes we feel like it's like, oh, this, I can't even get my head around eternity, can you? Not for a single blip. I try and imagine entering into eternity in that moment and feel like, what will that be like? What will it be like? There is hope and we can trust him in this life and for the life to come because that's why he came. He allowed himself to be born into a manger, to be pursued by a jealous, sinful, crazy king. It's why he came, to set us free from sin and death, set us free from hopelessness and discouragement, and to give us life in this beautiful mess. I'll ask the band to come, and I just want to pray this morning as we look back to the future, as we think about what Christ has done, as we think about the challenges that Mary and Joseph and Jesus faced, and as we think about our own challenges, our own messes. You know what? Our, our, our lives are all different. Our situations are all different. The challenges, the circumstances. But I want to ask you this morning, what is God speaking to you today? What is God saying? What does it look like for you to follow God's call in this season right now? What does it look like for you to trust Him in this season? Maybe you need to give someone a call and say, hey, can we just get together and open up the Bible? Because I, I need to know what God's saying about this thing I'm going through. I need, to ha- I need some help in working out what does God want me to do with this? Maybe that's your step of trusting Him. And if you want to give me a call, give a pastoral care team a call, call one of your friends, call someone and just say, hey, let's open the Bible together. Would you pray with me? Maybe it looks like you just taking a couple of hours this week and just getting out and going for a walk or just to be still or go for a bike ride. Just to remember the glory of God. Just to be still 
and remember that He is God. He's not just God who's not in a part of our life. He's God who loves you. He's God who is able. What does it look like for you to trust Him today? There is hope. There is a way forward. And that's why He came.